Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this episode 26 of Circles and Squares. And I personally just want to shout out uh, Marvel Cinematic Studios uh, for releasing me a beautiful birthday gift. Falcon of the Winter Soldier is out today. Thank you for honoring my birthday, Marvel. Uh, really appreciate it. Best birthday gift I've probably received uh, in a long time. So, so yeah, thank you to Marvel. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the first episode of that after we record. It's going to be, man, did you, I don't know if you watched WandaVision. I don't think you did, but these shows are kick-ass. It's, it's on my list, but you know how slow I am at watching TV shows. Yeah, so. I know. Well, usually I am too. The only difference here is it's like tied to the MCU, right? Which is... I don't know. It's like a different qualification for a TV and, show. Than and, a regular plus, one. and plus knowing that they were preparing for your birthday, you kind of had to, to catch up, right? Well, yeah, I feel obligated to go watch like the post credit scene where, the, where Sebastian Stan looks right into the camera and says, happy birthday, James. Like, hope you have a great, great time. Like, I, I just really feel like I need to watch that, you know, like it's right. really appropriate to leave. Right. It might, it might be rude not to. It would. I, I agree. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's that going on, but uh, we have some games to talk about first, Kate. So maybe we should do that uh, before, you know, we go go and talk about more. So um, usually our show is going to follow the same format it's going to be today, which is, uh, yeah, games we're playing to start off, including the PS Plus games uh, from March 2021. Um, after that, we'll talk about the news for the second part of the show. God, there's been a lot of news to talk about. It seems like we're always doing these like jam-packed news segments now. Um, and then last part of the show, um, you actually found a, a pretty interesting survey, Kate, about like gamer motivations and like what what exactly are the aspects of games that I guess draw us, us into them. So we've both taken this survey and we'll we'll chat about our answers for the third part of the show. Um, and then, of course, we'll close out with a listener mail question, um, as we always do. But um, before we get into any of that, uh, we got to talk about the games we've been playing. Um, so, Kate, let's talk about We Were Here. Uh, this is a game back from 2017. It's a smaller game we've kind of come across on PlayStation, I guess. And it's it's kind of a cool setup. It's like a like a co-op kind of escape the room kind of game where it's very much about communication, working together, solving puzzles. And we've actually played through it twice now. And I think we can agree we've had a really good time with it. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what's really interesting about this game is that there's two different roles you take on. One is the explorer. And I think the other one's called the librarian. Yeah. Um, but taking on one of these roles, you start in a different area. You've got different um, like resources uh, to solve your puzzles and, and you can't you can't solve it on your own you've got to be communicating back and forth so you'll have like one person might have a map that will lead the other person uh, where they're supposed to go and one person you know the next person's got like a symbol that gives a clue to the first person so it's completely tied around like playing co-op and solving these puzzles together um and it, it it's really neat. It was it was a really charming and really cute experience. And it was it was interesting to go back and play it a second time, especially and see like what you saw the first time when you were giving me clues and like, oh, I see now. It was kind of cryptic. I see why you were having some some trouble with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely not like an overly tough game. None of the puzzles are like really, really complex, but I guess the difficulty comes in in like how well you're able to communicate with each other. And I think in general, you and I did pretty good. I think the areas that kind of got us caught up were maybe a little bit they're just like a bit of trickier than the other ones. Like, especially there's this one area where there's kind of a maze that the explorer has to work their way through and the librarian has a map and kind of is giving them directions. But the map, as especially like coming to realize it the second time through, I played the explorer the first time and then I was librarian second. So that first playthrough where I was the explorer and you had the map definitely was, was the most challenging thing I think we had to do just because we didn't realize the degree to which like the, the map was simplified compared to the maze. Mm -hmm. And so like seeing that as we played through the second time last night and, and having that map to look at this time, I was like, wow, you know, like 
no wonder we got so confused for a bit because you're telling me to go left but realistically i had like three different lefts i could have taken but the map only shows me one so it, it was uh yeah it was really cool to see from both sides for sure i i think i personally preferred giving the clues a little bit but i mean both roles were were equally as fun i would say yeah that that's what i was thinking too i was kind of stewing on it and i i also think i preferred being a librarian a little bit like they both had a little bit of back and forth but I think in general the librarian role was a little bit more of like you had more information and were, were providing clues and the explorer was kind of like acting on them so like librarian yeah had the map the explorer would go through the the maze librarian like you know the, the explorer would come across a couple symbols they needed and the library would have like the whole list of symbols to like sort through and and see which ones were useful so there was a little bit of that and I, I think I also agree I liked being the librarian a little bit more which is kind of funny because when I was thinking back on it and I, it kind of was putting it to to some other similar games like I was thinking of um that board game and I, I'm trying to think of the name of it now where like you've got it's either word or oh, code words or code oh, names. code names code names yeah yeah and i was thinking about like kind of stuff like that and i was like usually i like to be the person guessing when it comes to any kind of board game or like even like pictionary or something like i like to i like to guess but in this game in particular i don't know if it was because of the video game format or what but i i did enjoy giving the clues a little bit more um but that's not to say that it wasn't fun also being the explorer yeah well i mean at the end of the day like i think the interesting part of a game like this is not even really it's not even really the subject matter. It's just the, the it's the conversation between the both of us, like having to just solve these puzzles. So at the end of the day, like you're still having that conversation regardless of which end of it you're on, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, I usually like using code names as the example. I usually prefer to give the clues. So I found like it kind of still, like I said, it was kind of my preference, but realistically both, both fun mm -hmm. roles. Uh, the game itself is, I guess we could talk about a little bit, like it's definitely not um gonna blow you away visually it's the kind of thing where if you're going through i guess like the playstation store or whatever you'd probably scroll past the the thumbnail of it or i guess like the image of it it doesn't look overly like flashy i guess from like visually or mm -hmm. or anything like there's not really a lot of sound effects there's not dialogue like it's 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 you know minimalist in that way i guess like it's definitely not a high budget type of thing but the idea that they have for the game and like the way that it works is, is very interesting and I mean we're playing over PlayStation parties but you can play online with a random person and you actually have to pick up a walkie-talkie off the table and and um, hold it up to your face I guess by holding a button when you actually <laughs> want to talk if you're in the game so there's even that extra level of immersion you could have I guess if we would have done it I mean through the walkie-talkie instead of the party but it's um, I mean I wish there was more games like this that existed just something that's kind of co-op kind of puzzle thing where you're not actually having to really you know, there, a lot of things are always based on combat or PvP and stuff. So it's just always refreshing to find some kind of, um, you know, puzzle-based thing where you can actually work together, like, cooperatively and, and get through, um, yeah. like, this kind of challenge. I, I agree. And I think I think the puzzle solving is, like, at its strongest release, it's my favorite when it's something that, especially for a co-op experience, you can't solve it on your own. Like, this isn't the kind of game where you can, you sit down with someone and, and like, you're both looking at the same puzzle and then one person solves it and you move on. And it, it never turns into that kind of like, you know, one person's carrying the team or like one person, you know, you're mm -hmm, getting to like, mm -hmm. well, you can't. There, there's no, there's no kind of conflict. Like it, it's nice that like you rely on each other to solve the puzzle and each person has their own role and like is getting to experience the game. And I, I think that it's, it's really well designed. Like I think this game, like, yeah, like you said, like it's not the highest budget. It doesn't, you know, have a lot of things that, that, 
uh, you know like like bigger games do have but i don't think it necessarily needs them like some quality of life things would come forward like you know it's a little finicky sometimes to like if you're trying to pull a switch you have to be like the perfect distance from it and kind of like get your cursor on it correctly so that the button prompt goes through but like those are such minimal things that are very clear like just there because it's a really small yeah game in comparison to to what we're used to playing and i think like it doesn't need anything else i don't think it needs necessarily better graphics or like voice acting or anything like it's just it was perfect for what it wanted to be and i think it was really successful I, I totally agree with you. And, and it doesn't need those things at all. I, I guess it would just be mm-hmm. like if they happen to have enough success with this type of game, like maybe, you know, later iterations. I know there actually are some newer iterations. This is the original We Were Here. They have a few other different, um, I don't even know if they're expansions or I guess sequels would be the way to put it. And maybe those ones are maybe moving up in the polish level a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I hope that people play this and check it out. I'm glad we're talking about it on the show just to kind of raise even a little bit of awareness of it you know if one or two people listening go and play it at least that's you know getting a little bit of exposure out there because games like this i think we need to support them where we can so that we get more <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely it's creative it's refreshing it's different and and i highly recommend you know pick it up it's great to do like you know is a, is a date night or like with a friend or even just you know like you could play like with your you know with your dad if you can't go see him because oh of covid Ima- and whatnot imagine you know, playing this with dad <laughs> maybe maybe, our, maybe not our dad <laughs> but maybe your dad would play yeah. this love you dad but you gotta learn to control the camera before you can play uh <laughs> play this with us um well we've also been playing our ps plus games for march kate i think um, unless you had anything else to say about um we were here but uh we've also played um maquette and remnant from the ashes now we've both been playing remnant so maybe we should talk about mm-hmm. that first um this is of course the i guess it's souls-esque um kind of action adventure game uh it's got guns is the big difference though and focuses on kind of more ranged combat than, than souls but uh maybe maybe you could make speak about it better than me but I, i've been really enjoying remnant and the best thing about it that we have to talk about i think is our different experience in terms of like you're playing as a single player um, experience whereas i'm playing a three-person co-op kind of run so i think we've had some differences there in terms of the gameplay and whatnot but um i'm i'm really enjoying this game for what it is right now I, d- I don't think i would necessarily be falling in love with it if i was playing by myself which is why i'm interested to hear what you say but uh, as a co-op experience and going through with with some friends and just kind of killing guys and uh you know paying attention to the lore where we can and all that kind of stuff i'm having a good time it's it's been uh surprisingly fun for me <laughs> yeah i i think this game would benefit a lot from playing with a group um because i'm i'm very torn on this game 80 percent of the time when i'm playing i'm having a wonderful time and 20 percent of the time i just want to like speed past those chop, other parts. i just want to chop my hands off so <laughs> i think I, I think i described it to you the other day is like it's like a pineapple but you have to peel it with your bare hands yeah, yeah. what an <laughs> analogy like, the fruit inside is lovely and delicious and sweet but it's so prickly to get through so and what i mean by that is i like the combat the combat is wonderful it like you said it's kind of I think the combat is really the only part of the game that that gives it that Souls-like kind of banner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, action-responsive. Um, you know, like you've got to be on your... You're on your toes the whole time. The enemies are are difficult. Anything can kill you. 
Um, you've got, you know, your trusty dodge roll, which really feels good in this game. Mm-hmm. It's a big it does. plus for me. It does. And the, the um, UI is also very similar to Souls, I guess, too. Like with your items kind of on the left-hand side with the D-pad and like the, the bars. I don't know. Yeah, it's got a similar yeah, kind of setup-ish. The items all have a little like a uh, little um, some flavor text description on them as well. Um, and, you know, you build your loadout. Um, so it, it's nice. And I, I think I like the melee and the ranged combat. So you get uh, your loadout is like, yeah, you said two different guns and then a melee weapon. So I picked the I think we both picked the same character. Coincidentally. Yeah, it's interesting. We happen to get the same one. I'm, um, I'm really enjoying the scrapper so far. Which yeah, is like the, the is great. close range kind of shotgun melee type of class. So yeah. usually so not everyone, even what I would play, but but uh, yeah, good yeah, choice so far. Exact same. Not normally what I would play, but I figured it was the close range would be the best for playing alone because I I had this horrible vision in my head of like oh I kind of like you know normally be like the sniper in in gun games but like oh I'm by myself like I'm surrounded by thirty dudes yeah what do I have you a do? sniper rifle right yeah. <laughs> like, that's not great so I'm glad I picked this one because the the melee is super punchy like most of the regular enemies I just chop down with my well not chop it's a hammer so it's kind of awkward but like I just mow them down with the, the hammer yeah, and then switch my gun like... for some of the yeah, like I, I've just started recently. Like I played some last night and I started not one-shotting things and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's great. So yeah, the guns the guns feel nice too. Um, and I, I love the combat. Like I can't stress how fun I, much fun I have when I'm in the dungeons fighting things. It's a good um, time, right? But- Especially with like the traits you can get. Like you, you can equip... Um- I don't even remember what they call them. They're like little bonuses you can put on each of your weapons, I guess. But they're the things mods like you can, are neat. The mods, yeah, you can like have flaming ammo or put down a healing sphere on the ground. Or there's another one that I've got now, which is really beneficial for the close range class that we'd picked, which is like this spiked armor you can kind of put on your character for a short time, mm. and it and it kind of as you take hits, you've got a chance to just reflect the damage back instead of taking it, and so that synergizes oh. really well with having the shotgun. Um, I do love me some yeah. ambient damage. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's um, a cool way to customize a little having, like, we might have the same weapon, but just adding these mods kind of changes how you would play certain situations. And you can yes. equip anyone to any weapon as well, which is which is kind of interesting. It's not like you have to have the, the flame ammo on the shotgun. You could put it on your pistol, which might have some more range. So it might be, you know, if you want to put something more close range specific on, on the shotgun, for example. So a lot of customization. And I'm sure you'll get a lot of those different things as you go, too. I, I hope so. I have noticed that, um, and this isn't kind of the, the 20% that I'm sort of not in love with, um, is I, I like all of the gear I have so far. Like, I love the customization of the guns. I like so much the armor has, like, stacking upgrades. So, for example, if you wear the same, you can have, like, I think, shoes, um, a, like, bait, an armor set, and then, or like, like, a body, and then a, a helmet. and they're different types. So if you have multiple of the same type, they increase with like a stacking bonus. Or for having a full set of armor, yeah. For having it, yeah, for having a set that matches, which I really love because it just, it gives you a little bit more of like customization options. So like, okay, if you've got an armor set that, you know, stacks and is really nice together, but then you find a hat that's just objectively better, you don't have to like, you know, you you make that decision now. Like, do I break up my stack to have this better hat or do I like, do I keep it and maybe I'll like see if I can find more with that hat set. So like I like that a lot. And I've noticed as well too, like you also have a couple of trinkets like you can put on also kind of souls, like you can put on rings that give you various mm-hmm. like um buffs or or they slightly augment how you play. And I've noticed one of the rings was said something, it was like, it does this, but if you also have this other ring, it 
has this extra effect. Oh, really? Which I, I thought was really cool. Like so like it, it does go that deep. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that a lot. My only concern is I, I don't know if there's enough in it. Like mm. when you're exploring this game, um, and I don't know if maybe this is partially because of the way that <laughs> you guys might hear a cat in the background. <laughs> I just heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, she's just she's, she likes Remnant. She's been playing with me, so um, she's got a lot of thoughts on the game as well. Um, but I I feel like there needs to be more stuff in the world that you're finding. I found a lot of the exploration in this game is like you're rewarded for exploring by like oh maybe I found another like three iron to upgrade my mm -hmm. gun with, but like iron is what you get for killing enemies. So like. Yeah, it, it isn't the, really like exciting or really that incentivizing to to be exploring every nook and cranny. And I think when it when I think of a, a Souls like game, which you know maybe isn't fair to necessarily compare every game to to Dark Souls and 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 FromSoft, but you know you can't help it when it's like they've sort of pioneered the genre. Um, and I appreciate when when Remnant and other games do different things, but just kind of in that comparison, like. I like to be rewarded in exploration is a big part of it. And I don't feel like exploring at least, at least to the, the amount of I've played has really been that exciting or rewarding for me. Like I almost feel like I just want to hightail it to the dungeons and, and yeah. just fight through those. I agree with you. It, well, I mean, when we started playing, we were definitely exploring like a hundred percent of all the areas we were going through and, and making mm -hmm. sure we didn't miss anything but it has really come to the point where it's it's like when you're exploring all you really run into is either enemies which are going to drop the basic resources for you or you're going to just find the resources on the ground there, there's occasionally some like you know notes to kind of build on the lore or whatever but it, they're kind of few and far between mm -hmm. from what i've found as well and it ends up basically the, the game is kind of weird like you're you're kind of in this you have this hub kind of world where you the stores are and all the npcs and all that it's called the ward and you spend a lot of time there doing your upgrading and, and whatever. But then it kind of has this weird system. Like you don't just teleport from the ward onto the level you're kind of playing. Like when you teleport out into the world, you go out from the ward to the map. But then when you're on the map, there's it's almost like this big open environment where there's not a whole lot going on. You're kind of exploring. There's some enemies like we're talking about. And then from that map, you then find entrances into little dungeons that you go into, which have the main kind of combat in it and you spend most of your time kind of fighting in those dungeons so it's almost this three-tiered type of map but the middle area that you go to i think the first area is called fair haven right yeah fair view fair, fair, fair view fair, fair haven, view you're right whichever fair it view. is but there's there's almost nothing really there and it's just such a big environment I, I wish that part was almost a bit smaller and then the dungeons could even be maybe expanded a little bit in terms of like what's the most interesting place to be at I agree. Like I would want to spend, and we should clarify too, because I didn't actually know this when I started playing, but the, the game has like roguelike elements where it's actually, um, a lot of the areas are, especially the dungeons are randomly generated. So each dungeon you go into is going to be a slight different configuration. And they actually took this philosophy in an interesting way in that like they're, even the bosses are, are randomized. So things that you you fought in your game are different than what I fought. And like some of the upgrades that we're going to get and um, like the items and rewards for the bosses are also going to be different. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a neat idea for a game like this where it, it incentivizes like a good replayability. I think so. I think it does for sure. Especially like I didn't know the bosses were actually 
in different orders as well. I thought it was more just the layouts of the the dungeons. So yeah, that, that's very interesting to me too because I've we've beaten a couple bosses now, and whenever you defeat the bosses, you unlock um, usually like a like a trait you can you can um, equip to your character and start putting your skill points into to unlock like a new kind of ability for yourself, but you also unlock different weapons. So I actually, we are just talking about the hammer as the melee weapon, but one of the bosses that we've beaten gave us a different melee weapon, which I like more. And I, I'm thinking like, oh, you probably want to use this too when you get it. But now yeah. it's like, are you even going to get this weapon that See, I have? And that's interesting. Whereas the boss I fought didn't give me either of those things. It gave me an item which I could turn into a new mod for one of my weapons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, which yeah. was really cool, and I I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool one, especially for playing on your own. It was it was I was really excited about it. But yeah, like that's that's kind of neat. So it really does give it this sort of like water cooler, like everyone's had a different experience with the game mm-hmm. kind of feeling. I'm and just I, interested I, to I like see as that. we play, like how diverse it ends up being. You know, like if you and I were to both go play for ten hours straight, like how when we come together and talk about it, how many different experiences will we have had, or is it really just kind of the more we play, will we will we get to this point where it's like, oh, that was kind of just very similar once we reach a Right, point. or like, like I, I we fought the same mm-hmm. stuff, we just did it in a different order. Yeah, I just and, wonder and they, about that. Yeah, I think the game is an interesting way of scaling as well because what it does, and I've, I'm looking into this and there's a lot of, people have a lot of opinions about this online. Um, and I was also interested to see because of how it scales with um, playing yep. multiple people versus solo because you don't have to start a campaign with multiple people. You can hop in and out of people's games at any time with the character that you've made. Right. Um, and, and how it seems to work is it takes an average of your, of each person's, um, equipment score. So you don't really level in this game. Like you have, you have, you do get an EXP and you have traits where every now and again, you, you gained a trait point and you can put it into something like, you know, max health or stamina or like melee damage. So you do have um level up points but the main progression that you do is is by upgrading your gear um so your your weapons and your armor and what it does is it takes the average level of that in each slot so say your guns like level plus seven and your armor is like a plus two armor uh, and then your Mm, pants are like mm -hmm. plus three it'll take those numbers and find the average of them and then that's using that number i think plus one to keep it you know, a little bit still on the challenging side. Um, That's what it will scale your dungeon to. So when you go into a dungeon for the first time and it generates, it will use, it will generate it to that difficulty level. And then when you're playing with multiple people, it just takes whoever is the highest. Okay. So really we should be playing on probably the the same uh, difficulty then because we'll, even though I'm playing multiplayer, like the three of us have played all the levels together so we're no no one of us is farther ahead than the others in terms of our armor so i wonder yeah. how different our difficulty settings really are then too because i know like just from speaking to you kind of off mic before we recorded it seems that i'm having an easier time in a group of three than you are having single player <laughs> i think so and there i did look at, at that as well on in addition to it just you know if one person under level they're gonna have a tough time versus you know if you're both at the same level but it also said and on their wiki and it was kind of vague and it was like, oh, enemies have higher health if you have a group and enemies mm. do more damage if you have a group. So like it does also like account for if you have multiple people or not, but I don't know to like what yeah, degree what... it changes things. Yeah. But in these games, always like having group is always going to make it easier because like you just have less things on you. Exactly. This game I've noticed likes the philosophy of 
um, will just throw 10 of the same enemy at you at the same time. Yeah, they do it by numbers <laughs> instead of difficult enemies, that's for sure. Yeah, and they like to, to do swarm attacks. So for me, that's like, all right, come on, everyone get in the line and I swing the hammer versus like, well, if you have multiple people, you don't have to fight 10 things at once. Sure, it might be a tougher one or two enemies, but it's, you know, you don't- It's only one or two. Yeah, yeah. one or two. And like, with this game, like, there's no blocking, it's just dodging. So having to dodge, you know, one or two attacks is, is easier than, you know, getting like, if you get swarmed, that's when you die. So I yeah. think that's always good. And it also like, is nice too, with like, you know, you got your range person, I'll cover you. The difficulty's been been nice playing on my own. Like it's definitely not an easy game, but I haven't been incredibly like frustrated or or stuck. I've I've died a few times for sure, but um, it's always felt appropriate yeah, yeah. level. It's a similar experience for us, really, too. The, there, there's a couple interesting things about playing it multiplayer, though. The first one is that friendly fire cannot be turned off. So we we often find ourselves like accidentally shooting each other or sometimes we purposely <laughs> shoot each other and like mess around with <laughs> the, the hub world and whatever. But it's kind of an interesting thing to have the friendly fire on because not a lot of games like I, I don't ever turn on friendly fire when I'm playing anything, really. So being yeah. forced to have it that way is is, is added another layer of trying to be a bit careful I guess when we're taking our shots especially for me too because I'm the close range guy right so I'm usually up in near the yeah, enemies and so you're the, the pin other, cushion <laughs> the other two guys are shooting shooting their guns and whatever from distance and I got to be careful what, not to kind of get hit and, and all that. a nice detail about that as well and I'm glad that you've told me that because the enemies also have friendly fire oh really and I so know. I I like that it's fair yeah they don't it doesn't happen super often but you'll notice sometimes like they won't like melee attack each other very often but you'll notice sometimes like one of them will throw a projectile but like it's behind another enemy and it'll like mm -hmm. hit him in the mm -hmm. back and he'll go like oh <laughs> like, yeah yeah the, so the only other thing i, I wanted like to shout out fair. yeah yeah about the multiplayer specifically is uh and probably my my biggest downside to this game so far is for the love of god they need to make it more efficient in the hub world because <sighs> As a group of three, you can only talk to each NPC uh, with one person at a time. So when we go to upgrade our skills or buy new equipment or, you know, talk to the girl that changes, you know, upgrades your healing item or whatever, like whoever it is, only one of us can talk to that person at a time. So after we go collect a bunch of loot and it's like, oh, I can't wait to upgrade my equipment. We have to stand in this basically lineup and take a number and wait until <laughs> each other have finished upgrading our weapons. And it just is so time consuming sometimes because, um, I mean, I don't want to get too into the upgrade system and all that, but there's, it doesn't have that thing that a lot of modern games have where you can kind of hover over the upgrade to your weapon and compare it to what you're currently wearing. Or if you're thinking about buying a new piece of armor, you can't really see it side by side with, with what you're currently wearing. So you're kind of in this limbo of, okay, check what this is, trying to remember the stats back out of the weapon. Uh, okay, now go back to my inventory, check my, compare my armor to it, you know, go back to the store, kind of this kind of loop. And it, it it's just one of those, like, it's very time consuming if you're by yourself. And then when you're also waiting with your couple friends that are also trying to talk to the same person, it just becomes like this horrible, like NPC chatting dance that takes way too long. And it would just be so convenient to be able to do it at the same time. Oh. Um, yes. I don't know why they would make it this way. So, that, so please that fix sounds, it. That sounds so frustrating. And that is that is the 20% that I've, I've kind of danced around of, of why I just, I find it hard to get immersed in this game because there's just some decisions like that where like, yeah, like you can't see comparison of items when you go to upgrade something, which is the main way of, of like improving your character. It's so frustrating. And I find the hub world too is really like unpleasant to navigate. It's kind of 
awkward. It's got a lot of different levels and the map system in the game is really, really poor. It doesn't really um, tell you like where your goal is either. Like you'll you'll have this mission in the hub world saying, oh, go go to the armory to upgrade your weapon for the first time, you know? And, and it doesn't really mm -hmm. tell you where the armory is. You just kind of need to stumble upon yeah, it. And, and for us, it wasn't a big deal because there was three of us wandering around looking for these NPCs. But I would imagine by yourself, if you didn't yeah, happen to stumble into that little room, like you'd be It screwed. genuinely took me a while to find stuff the first time i had to explore it because there's no there's no markers on the map and the map also doesn't like it's just i hate the map in general it's like it shows you the map screen but it doesn't let you move it at all so you can't zoom and look around you can't like zoom out to see something bigger like so sometimes you look at it and it's like way too small and sometimes you look at it and you're like i can't even see where hardly see where my marker is because it's so big yeah. And so like those kind of things are just they're hard to get past sometimes. And the other problem is I I really don't like how they've integrated your character into the game. And I, I think like this is a small thing. Like obviously the gameplay is is more important, but it, it just it really takes me out that my character doesn't feel like it's properly interacting with the world in the terms of like how the characters are written. So like for example, like you go back to the hub world and characters will talk to you, but they just have like a couple lines of dialogue they just spout whenever your character is nearby. So like there's a character I've talked to multiple times and like I've bought items from him and whenever I go anywhere near his room, he's like, oh, it's nice to see a new face around here. Yeah, it's right. Like, it's like, you know me, We dude. know each other. <laughs> and like, it, it's just so, it's so awkward. Like I would rather that they don't say anything to you unless you talk to them then have lines that like don't work in every context and your character does the same thing like it's a i like the setting in the world a lot like it's a really like post-apocalyptic like destroyed like yeah like oppressed kind of like overgrown like it's like dark it's kind of like almost fallout-esque but with like more of like a like a like almost like a paranormal type of vibe to it. Yeah, or, or like it's almost got like kind of like evil. a Lovecraftian kind of like horror feel to it. Like there's something like unknown brewing under the surface. And my character is that you know exploring that. I'm by myself. I'm set up. I'm like probably terrified, but like okay, I've got a goal. I've got to beat these monsters. And I'll be fighting, and at least like three or four times in the middle of fighting like a couple enemies, my character will just scream like, woo, I did it. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right, I guess you got to pump yourself up. But it just feels so like inappropriate and awkward based on like What's the situation. Yeah. And I, I just feel like it's so like not cohesive how they've, they've put these, these systems and these characters in this world. And like, I just, I wish I could just tweak a few things because I, I enjoy playing it, but like the idea of like having to, to go do my inventory management or or every now and again when my character says something annoying, it just sucks me right out of the game. Mm -hmm. And and I wish going forward, I, I think like they've designed a really solid and fun gameplay system, but I, I think I would love to see them going forward if there's a Remnant 2 or... or you know, they, they, you know, make another game in the future, like to really, really consider all the smaller details about how it would feel to be in that character's shoes, or if someone's talking to you, how they would react to you. And that kind of a little bit more of like a role-playing system involved, Yeah, because I think, I, I think it makes such a difference, especially when you play a game like this, that's supposed to be very like atmospheric and like character building. Yeah, I'm, t I'm totally with you too. Like, 
I, I think we've had a bit of a different experience in the multiplayer type of setting, but I know one of us is playing a character that that every time she kills someone or something's going on, she's like, yeah, like I love killing, like, yeah, woo, like this cheering thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's so out of place, you know, like in that situation, just like they, that wouldn't be probably how someone would react. You're right. But I think the best way to sum it up is what you said to me last night, which was like, it seems like they put a lot of effort into the combat, did a really good job designing the combat, and then kind of just... They had to find a way to surround it with some kind of game to make around the combat, which didn't seem to have the same care put into it as the actual fighting and like moment to moment mm-hmm. kind of like interactions in terms of like when you're shooting people compared to everything else. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a good game. I don't I think it's got a lot of flaws, but if you're interested in something, <clears throat> you know, in this vein or you're looking for something like, hey, I like Dark Souls, I like, you know, Sekiro, whatever, but I'm looking for something kind of adjacent but instead of Dark Souls exactly was the cool. Same, yeah. yeah, they're like, Dark Souls is cool, but what if it had guns? What if it had guns? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, it, it is good. I, I recommend this game. But, yeah, it, it's not going to be my, like, it's not going to be my top 25 list. No, I no, think, no. Uh, next time we do that again. <laughs> right. Um, well, that was that's Remnant, I guess. Uh, check it out. I have been playing one other game, which I will talk about now, which is the other PS Plus game, uh, Maquette, which I... Uh, it was a nice little short puzzle experience I had. Beat it over a couple days, and I'm blown away by this. I got to tell you, like, I strongly recommend you go back and try Maquette, especially since it's the kind of thing you can probably beat in, you know, it would be a long afternoon, but you could beat it in one one afternoon if you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the puzzle game that came out. Uh, I believe it's published by Annapurna, but it it is um, the one, it's kind of like where you're playing with perspective, so you'll, you um, you know, those, like, Russian stacking dolls that all go within each other, and they're different sizes. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of idea. So you're manipulating the size of different um, buildings or objects and kind of you'll find a little a little tiny bridge and you'll put it in this diorama of the place where you're in. And then when you look over to the the full size version, the bridge will be there in full size and now you can walk across it. So it's those kind of it's it's those kind of puzzles and they become a little bit mind bending <laughs> the further you get into the game because you begin to manipulate the size of a lot of things at, at once and and even your character kind of can become bigger or smaller depending um you know kind of to, when you move to different areas uh, to, I don't want to spoil like the story because there is a lot of kind of story going on as well and it's actually really heartfelt <laughs> which is something that surprised me being more than just the puzzles there's also this kind of narrative on in terms of like this couple's relationship and the puzzles are are kind of symbolic of um items in their lives or things that have happened to them in that way so it, it's it was very interesting and like i would say that the puzzles in general are very fair and you can get through the game pretty easily there was a couple of puzzles where i felt like oh i would never have figured that out so i did look them up just because i wanted to get to the end of the story to see what happened um mm-hmm. But if you're willing to look maybe a couple puzzles up to kind of keep that momentum going and you, you know, you're willing to do that, it's it's a really cool experience. And also, I got to say, the soundtrack is really, really surprisingly good. It's it's very similar to the soundtrack in The Last of Us 2, which is something I didn't think I would okay. ever say. But it's kind of it's kind of this folk music, you know, that it's very acoustic guitar with The Last of Us. Right. Yeah. And that kind of thing. So it's it's sort of like that and the same kind of tone and emotion in terms of the music. So um yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of all over the place i guess explaining this game but if you if you kind of look at the videos you'll get an idea of what it is i i would say it's it's one of the strongest ps plus games um i would i think it's definitely the best one i've played in a long time um wow so that's impressive yeah the the game looked really good i i meant to try it out but i just didn't i unfortunately didn't have time to to slot it in but it's definitely something that's installed on my playstation and is eventually eventually we're gonna 
yeah, I'm gonna you have should, to shout I, it out again. <laughs> I strongly recommend it because it's very, very good. And like, like I said, the story was very hit home very hard. I, I didn't um, expect it to have such a um, down to earth <laughs> narrative. I thought you were gonna say I didn't expect to cry. <laughs> yeah. Man, you could you could cry. I would not blame someone if they said they cried during playing this game because it's it's along the same lines as like um a brother's tale of two sons type of right. narrative in terms of like, like a how very it like would impact a very you. personal very and personal kind of story. like intimate story. Yeah, it's the story of like this of this girl and and this guy she meets and they kind of go through this relationship and their relationship has these kind of twists and turns, you know, just, and it, but what's, what's so relatable about it is that um, despite the game being obviously a very much like unrealistic, the story is like, you could easily have experienced a relationship just like the one they're describing or know someone that's been in that same situation. And the the voice actors they have to to portray the characters, they, they just seem like regular people. Like they could have gone to a Starbucks and recorded like two random people just sitting there and got them to read these voice lines. Like not that it, not that it's bad or unprofessional because it's very professionally done, but it, it just mm-hmm. has this organic so nature natural. to the performance. Yeah. Like you don't feel like you're listening to recorded narrative lines in the same way as right. it could be someone's diary entry they're reading to you. Right. Um, it's just like, it's just like sitting and listening to this podcast. It's so natural. It's so natural. <laughs> it's so natural. So um, natural. But yeah, um, that's maquette. Um, that's awesome. Well, we've had some really, we've been blessed. I mean, I know Marvel's shouting at your birthday and that's lovely as well. But also your birthday month has been very blessed with some wonderful PS Plus games. It was true. And we haven't even talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake because obviously we spoke about that on a previous episode when I played it mm-hmm. originally. So like that's part of PS Plus. It's just crazy. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention just very quick right now is I did complete Control. And just because I ah. talked about it a couple episodes ago, I wanted to go back and just say that I think I I don't know how I came across on Control the first time we recorded, but I think I was kind of in the boat of like, it's a really good game, not quite up to the expectation of what I thought based on like mm-hmm. what the industry was saying about it. But uh, I do want to just shout out and come back to it because now that I've completed it, I think I'm higher on it than I was um, when I when I, we spoke about it on the show, just because. Right. I think it really, really ramps up. Finish. It ramps up at the end, and the the way the story concludes, and and like the storyline that happens towards the end of the game, really not saves it for me because I liked it before, but it kind of adds that extra little bit of like, wow, that really was inter- interesting, kind of at the end. Um, and also, I just need to shout out the ashtray maze because that is one of my favorite sequences I've played in a game in a long time. <laughs> Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so definitely check that out. But. Um, yeah, I, I guess that'll end us uh, for what we've been playing for this week. So um, stick with us after the break where we will talk about the news. Alright everyone, welcome back to the second part of the show where we have another huge news day, which apparently is every episode now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to 2021. But um, our first story is that, hey, there's a new PlayStation IP in development with Jade Raymond, who, for those of you who don't know, I guess she's an industry veteran, um, one of the people that was kind of the founder of the Assassin's Creed franchise. She was recently working with Google Stadia, which was um, interesting because they kind of announced this whole like, hey, we're making first party Stadia games. Uh, hey, Jade Raymond's here. You guys know her. She's like well-known industry person. And then 
hey, we're shutting down our first person, first party studios at Stadia. So nothing ever came of that whole era. But I guess now Jade has started her own studio called Haven and they're working on an unannounced um, IP for PlayStation. So just to clarify, this is not a PlayStation studio that, that she's created. It's an independent studio, which has been, I guess, contracted by PlayStation, similar to Kojima with Death Stranding. So um, exciting news nonetheless, and especially like seeing someone of this kind of ilk and status in the industry come and be working for a, for a, you know, a, a brand new PlayStation IP. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I don't really know what to expect, and I'm sure we won't see this game for probably two or three years at least, but, but it's cool nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of neat news and yeah, it's probably going to be a while till we hear anything, but I mean, more games, the merrier. So it's always just cool to see stuff get added, I guess, to, uh, you know, PlayStation's thing, especially with all this Xbox stuff going on. Like, it's nice to see PlayStation be like, hey, we're we're starting a new studio kind of, well, we're not starting a new studio, but, you know, we have another kind of studio working towards something exclusive for us with all this yeah. Xbox stuff going on. I, with, I uh, will say, Bethesda. though, like, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, I get it. And, like, it, it's exciting. And, like, PlayStation exclusives are usually a very high, like, caliber, even though this isn't, you know, like you said, a PlayStation studio specifically but like you know normally they they come with like a, a good deal of like a good deal of like assumption and assuming that it's going to be quality but like at the same time i don't like how divided things are like i just i would be fine with everything just coming out on every system and like i know like <laughs> there's an argument like it's good for it's good that to competition have or whatever that competition guess, yeah. and it pushes things forward and so like fine I, I that that's an angle as well but like i just feel like it's such a shame for people to to be cut off from from experiences so yeah. on one hand i guess it's good for playstation on the other hand it's like well you know but like what if someone else wants to play it i feel sorry for them <laughs> <laughs> like and i, I guess just that's feel a like good point yeah you know like i just i don't like that divide of like oh xbox is better like oh playstation's better and like I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. if I had to pick one, I'd pick PlayStation. It's pretty clear. But at, at the same time, you know, it's just, no, why don't we all just, I just want everyone to have a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm with you there. I think everyone should have a good time, too. But I don't know. Yeah. I guess until the industry starts working that way, I guess we'll have to count our, count our exclusives on this side and that side, whatever. But mm -hmm. you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, speaking like, of exclusives, know. speaking of exclusives, we also have a story coming up, number two, uh, which is that the PSVR 2 controller um, has been revealed, which is interesting because last time we were talking on the show was like, hey, there's this weird patent where they're going to have banana controllers for the PlayStation and all this, <laughs> all this stuff. And now it's kind of like, I, hey, no, here's the real controller. I am, I am disappointed. It is, spoilers, not a banana. <laughs> it's, it's not. But Nor it, is it any fruit at all. <laughs> it's not. But it is interesting looking. Like it's, it's uh, God, how do you even describe this? It, it's like, they look like, um, like, a, like, you know, like a fencing sword. Oh yeah, with that kind armor of like, on your hand, yeah. Yeah, it looks kind of like that. It's got like the they call it like the orb part that like sort of like is you hold the controller and then it like kind of goes around your your hand, yeah. like your hand's like inside the circular bit. Yeah, that's the it, professional way of just I'm sure that's professional words they've used <laughs> is the circular bit. <laughs> I'm sure it is, yeah. I'm sure it is, but it seems like a cool controller anyway. I know it's got all the same kind of haptic feedback, adaptive triggers, all this stuff on it that is uh, kind of standard in the dual sense. And it's also got um, some VR tracking, I guess, because it's got to go with the, the headset. And I think it also has a lot of um, a lot of areas where it, the controller, even if it's not on a button, it can track your finger placement and some gestures and whatnot. So you might not even be playing a lot necessarily with the buttons on some games. And it might just be like little swiping gestures on different parts of the controller. So um, I guess it kind of just depends how it's going to get integrated. But as far as just the the controller itself like i think it looks pretty futuristic it kind of has a similar 
designed to the headset um the dual the what's it called the pulse headset or whatever that i've got like it, it kind of has mm-hmm. the same kind of shape on some of the design i, I can see how it kind of look you know at home next to that device um with the playstation and everything so i mean long ways away still i guess but just kind of cool to get this announcement i wonder if it had anything to do with any kind of leak and they're just like you know what we'll show it these people now just so there's less speculation and we can kind of yeah you know, it's interesting and you know like i i don't like we've talked about vr in the past and i don't know if it's still something i'm i'm at the point of adopting yet but i will say that like this one does interest me because of how blown away i was by the the dual sense controller mm-hmm. um you know they they spoke about it and i i totally understand if people like you know it's it's hyped up it can't you know it's not as amazing as people say and i i totally get the skepticism because you know i i i was kind of in that boat it was like reserved like well we'll see how it actually ends up mm-hmm, you know panning mm-hmm. out but i i'm so blown away with with how good it feels and how much it actually like changes my experience when I'm playing that it gives me a lot of confidence that these the, like the the rumble and like the feeling of of playing especially in like such an immersive VR setting would be really neat to to pick one of these up yeah i think VR actually might be the place where these haptics and the rumble and everything shines the most because it's that extra mm-hmm. level of immersion, right? And I, I mean, I get it playing all types of games now too. Like, it's not something I brought up, but even with Maquette, like you could, you pick up a wooden box and hit, and it, you know, hits against something metal, and you can kind of feel the way that wood would feel hitting against metal in your hands as you're playing on the on the dual sense. So just having that mm-hmm. in VR, I think, would be an extra level of, of like, wow, this is really cool, and and something that the PlayStation would also have over top of um you know the more powerful vr headsets kind of like valve index and those on the computer like those might be more powerful in terms of the graphic fidelity but i mean having the the hd rumble and everything on the playstation is like is another counterpoint to to something i guess in playstation's like win column in terms Mm -hmm. of vr offering and we i guess we also don't know how powerful psvr2 is yeah and also like leading into our next story they have like such a strong lineup of vr games as well at this point it's true it's true yeah let's talk about the third story which is that playstation's uh, play at home initiative is continuing uh into 2021 a bit further we have announcements that um starting march 25th we're getting uh a lot of games coming out on on play at home i think originally they were doing you know one or two games kind of here and there but we have um abzu enter the gungeon res infinite uh subnautica the witness uh all coming to the play at home initiative and then we also have a bunch of vr games including astrobot rescue mission moss which are both humongous games like astro and moss wow mm-hmm. um thumper and then paper beast which is that paper mache kind of game we saw that on game one looks of the, so gorgeous yeah yeah it was on one of the uh showcases they did i think last year so a, a great lineup for sure especially like yeah psvr if you had a psvr you could literally buy one right now and get four like at least like Moss and PSVR or um, Moss and Astrobot for sure are like must plays if you had a PSVR as far as I know. Yeah. And with PS Plus, they've been putting out a PSVR offering pretty frequently as well. So like, yeah, you genuinely could buy it. And like, I mean, you'd obviously want to pick up Beat Saber because it's the best VR of game course. ever made. Um, but aside from that, like your catalog is is basically full. I, yeah, um, absolutely. But, are you going to play any of these? Do you think you're going to play at home and um, screaming at you or? see like i, I kind of want to play abzu just because um it's been compared to journey yeah uh, a decent amount and, and i'm a, a huge fan of, of that style of game um or more, the more like experience kind of things um the other ones I, i've played under the gungeon i think that's fantastic i i would like to go back and finish the witness i played it a, a quite a few years back uh when it was when it was new and 
I never was able to finish. I was playing on this dinky laptop at the time <laughs> and it had an, a bug with the graphics card that was in my laptop. And I, after doing some research, I found out that like people who had this graphics card, like it just would, it wasn't that it wasn't strong enough to run it, but it was just some sort of weird like integration issue. And it would just like um, crash. That sucks. So I got maybe like two hours into the game and then just all of a sudden started having these crashing issues. And I, I've never gone back and, and played it since I've upgraded my, my setup. And, and I'm sure at this point, I'm hoping at this point that they've, you know, fixed that issue as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've always meant to, like, it is such an incredible game. And I think it, it's one of those things where it's, it's going to be a bit polarizing. It's going to appeal to some people and, and some people won't be interested, but it's, it's a puzzle game, but it, the idea is that it teaches you based on you looking around and observing your surroundings. So the game has like multiple different types of puzzles and it never once tells you what you're supposed to do or gives you any kind of hints. It's really just like you have to look at it and try to like understand. And it does such a, it has such an interesting approach to teaching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember and, I, and I think it's just like, oh my god like this is the kind of game that like you could write like your your like <laughs> thesis on yeah. if, if you're like you know studying something something adjacent like it, it's such an impressive game i really want to replay it yeah I, I remember checking it out i think it was on ps plus a while back already mm -hmm. and that's a few of these games as well but the witness i remember i actually downloaded it and played for like 20 minutes or so and i and i got to this puzzle and i and i just kind of thought to myself like this game is cool i am not this is not what I'm in the mood for right now, but it's something I definitely wanted to check out also. So I might join you in that. And then I'm also kind of interested to check out Res Infinite just because I think it was, I think going back to it, it was on that PS, uh, the greatest PlayStation exclusive bracket that we did um, mm -hmm. back when 10 episodes was. ago or so. So just for that reason, I'd like to check out Res Infinite. And then, yeah, Abzu I've played and beaten, really enjoyed it. And Gungeon, yeah, I played a bunch, but great offerings all in all. I'd love to play Astrobot Rescue mm -hmm. Mission, obviously. Once I get obviously. PSVR. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of us is gonna have to we got to support our boy <laughs> at this point at this point yes um kate let's move to our last news story though shall we which is that hmm. uh out of nowhere seemingly i don't know if, if this has been like rumored or people have kind of thought about this i mean it's it's not something that i follow really closely at all but playstation has bought evo which is wow who saw that coming right i guess it's like more of a sponsorship <laughs> thing where it'd be like hey evo's back you know we had this horrible kind of I, there was like that sexual abuse allegation thing going on There's last year and the whole thing got removed and yeah i don't i don't follow evo extremely closely i i kind of do keep an eye on it and i've i've definitely watched some evo in the past yeah i watch um, evo when, I, I, when it's on sometimes like some of the events are cool yeah. but i don't really follow the kind of the you know f how the how evo functions or like the, the background yeah exactly the, i wouldn't say i've got it extremely intimate knowledge of it but i i do like you know keep an eye on it from time to time and they, they've had a lot of controversy lately so i wouldn't be surprised if this was kind of tied to it like give them a little bit of like a new a breath of life um having sony backing them yeah i think um, it but could I, be like I, one of those one of those things where it's like hey you know the, the people running this there was some weird accusations you know sexual abuse allegations and all that so why don't we just you know sony buys us they can kind of run it in a way or like oversee it in a way where they could maybe vet some of these things and and you know the controversy can kind of be like hey these people aren't running it anymore we're with sony now like you can trust us again yeah kind of exactly deal. and and i feel like sony's kind of like you know they're going to be involved but sort of a little bit more of a backseat. like i don't know how much is actually going to change about 
going to Evo and like participating. Um, yeah, hopefully this yeah. maybe just like makes it a little bit more like professional and, and kind of, you know, helps them to, to mitigate some of the issues that, that they were having. Um, but otherwise, the only other connection I think is kind of funny is they they run everything on PlayStations at Evo. So that was the other connection I thought was, was interesting Sony has because like obviously they need a lot of setups when you go to these tournaments. Um, people like, you know, they bring their own their fight sticks and all their own controllers and whatnot. But all of the actual setups they have are always run on PlayStation. Yeah, right. Well, so it's a good branding opportunity, right? Because now they can even they can even brand it even yeah. more. Like people already knew they were playing on PlayStations, but now they can have like now so like official playstation game tournament you know like they could really uh, yeah market it even more strongly you know which is yeah exactly I guess, so them. it was like it was kind of a surprising weird news story and then i remember that detail and i thought like oh, okay well they kind of at least were like holding hands with evo for to some degree so yeah, i mean yeah. it's kind of cool and i, I like the idea that like that yeah, means evo is going to be on this year so i can watch some, yeah, some smash it's, and it's some of the other games right? yeah i know nintendo actually commented they don't Nintendo doesn't usually get too vocal about things with other companies I don't think either but I know they even had a bit of an interaction with Sony about Evo I guess obviously because Smash is one of the biggest games at the tournament so I don't know if this will spark some kind of like relationship between Sony and Nintendo in some way we can always dream I guess but I'm sure it'll be uh if Evo's on I can't imagine a world where Smash hey. is not there I mean, they're going to be there, and who knows? we got two more slots on our fighters pack. Maybe Kratos is going to make his oh, way over. <laughs> could you imagine? You know, the even more exciting thing, Kate, what, ha what happens if, uh, because Sony now has their own fighting tournament, what if they actually make P uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2? Oh, my they God. And use our character list that we created. I didn't uh, even think about that. We got we to gotta email it over. Like, guys, thank you. Actually, guys, I know we, you're already, we already no, made we the roster for you. <laughs> you can save yourself so much time and money we've done it <laughs> <laughs> okay well you know what, Kate? why don't you start drafting up that email we'll take a quick break and send it over to uh, evo and then we'll be right back uh, after the break to talk about our game interest survey i don't even know what to call this thing it's a survey on i guess what draws people to play games. gamer motivation i gamer think motivation. actually yeah gamer yeah. motivation profile that's what it's there called we we'll be back to talk about our gamer motivation profiles right after this All right, everyone, welcome back to the third and final part of the show, where I think I'm just going to let Kate intro what we're doing here, because it was you that found this and kind of came across the, the little quiz we're going to be talking about. So uh, take it away. Yeah, so I found this, this was really interesting. I've, I've done it, obviously, myself, and I've sent it to a few people, and we found that um, at least most people I've talked to think that it's like really accurate. And I just, I think it's interesting the kind of psychology behind what draws us to different gaming experiences. And so this is a, a study done by Quantic uh, Foundry. And they did a, a bunch of study on, on different people, like what kind of games they like to play and what sort of experiences they're looking for. And they've kind of narrowed it down to nine sort of profiles that everyone kind of fits into to a certain degree. Um, and it kind of explains like what sort of, like what kind of motivates you or drives you to to pick certain games over other games so uh we'll link it in the in yeah. the I'll yeah put in the, the show info. notes for sure and, and everything yeah exactly so. i think i encourage you guys to go try it out you know even just just for a little bit of fun everyone likes taking a quiz there's something weirdly like appealing about like taking a True, quiz like, like, which like, kind of toast are you 
Yeah, exactly. Like, you're always dumb as shit, but it's like, oh man, like what kind of toast <laughs> am I? My I'm a Marmite toast, maybe. <laughs> so it's good. Oh, yeah. Um, but the the nine types, just as a quick overview, what they settled it down to as a summary is there's the acrobat who likes um challenge and discovery, the gardener who uh, likes quiet, relaxing task completion. Um, the Slayer who wants cinematic mayhem, but with a purpose, so story destruction. Uh, the Skirmisher, who likes, whose quote is kind of jumping into the fray of battle, which is a combination of like destruction and completion. Um, the Gladiator, which was kind of funny, is described as like, hardcore gaming. Um, <laughs> so it's like challenge, completion. Um, there's the, the Ninja, who is a speed and skill so completion challenge the bounty hunter who likes world exploration fantasy um the architect who is strategy uh and then the bard who who wants to play a grand story of community and, and fantasy so um, a lot of variety there a lot of variety and, and obviously no one you know you fit into multiple ones potentially the the quiz will give you like a, a main type and then a secondary so for me, it gave me um, the gladiator as a, as a main one and then the bard as a secondary. So I'll just read out what it says here. It says, gladiators are competitive gamers who like to identify as hardcore. And I read that at first and I was like, oh, okay, like this seems a little like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seems a little like, oh, I kind of don't know how I feel about this. But then it goes on to explain they want to games to engage them in a broad spectrum of features and they're looking for an epic skill-based experience so i think like it kind of said like hardcore it sounds like dumb like in the way that like almost like kind of gatekeepy but i think they meant yeah. hardcore in, in the way that like you know really immersive and like you you want to like invest a lot in your games more so than like oh get good i'm better than you so i think yeah that's yeah. how they meant it yeah i can see um, that and then, and then the bards are team players who want to chat and interact with players, other players and worlds that are rich with lore, stories, discovery, and customization. Uh, for them, the game is a grand story, uh, which I think is actually a, a pretty good for me specifically. Like, I like a lot of, um, obviously, like combat and like immersive experiences, but I also really care about the lore and the world building and, and characters. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm um they go on to it then it, it breaks it down really nicely for you so it gives you like oh, your different Let's, let me read mine first actually too because i think it'll make sense oh, okay to do it this way too okay sure so, yeah that's so a good just idea just to yeah just because i also the my main one that they gave me actually was the bard so the, okay the, uh <laughs> it's interesting but maybe we'll talk about my feelings on it after but my main one was the bard which was about that grand story and the emerging from a community mm -hmm. of players and the lore and everything so I, I guess that kind of aligns to me in some way, but I also feel like it wasn't uh, totally accurate. Like my secondary one is the Slayer, which is the heroic protagonist with a cinematic story. They're solo gamers who enjoy highly curated narrative, slower paced gameplay, seems highly um, interactive action movies want to be experienced. So I, I feel like that one actually kind of lines up with me just because it is like a cinematic story. I really enjoy like stuff like God of War and, you know, Uncharted and, and all those kind of things like mm -hmm. the the uh, the Sony first party I feel really falls into like the Slayer demographic yes, in a lot of 100%. ways. So I can totally agree with that. But the Bard one I felt like oh maybe this I isn't think, exactly me. Um, I think the Bard one also because you play a lot of games like 
on online with people. And so I think that yeah. bard goes into like, you know, like you don't necessarily think of like Apex Legends as a, as a, as a bard game because it's not really like story rich, but it is, it's interacting with other people, right? No, and like it's true, it's that true. community I, aspect. So I think I, that's maybe where you bard a little bit more. I, yeah. And that's kind of how I interpreted it too. But just like from my own perspective, I felt like, I don't know, like I've been playing a lot of those games, like Apex specifically recently, just because of the pandemic and stuff. But if I were to just in a vacuum say like, hey, what are my favorite types of games? Like multiplayer stuff wouldn't really even be in my top three or four games, really. So I hmm. found that a little bit interesting, especially since like the community, but like the community aspect, because I'm I'm not very really one to go on like forums and talk about games with people or randomly but then i thought about it and i'm like well we do do the podcast and that's like you know, so. <laughs> yeah that is totally bardy so, and the other thing too is a lot of those like sony first party go back to that like they're slayer but they're also kind of bard games too in the, yeah, in the sense yeah. that like they're really world heavy and like god of war is is like you know this, that's such an intimate story you're following along with and like mm -hmm. persona is is so focused on the characters and the story and and the lore and like yeah yeah it, it's, it's kind it's of definitely like, accurate in that way so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's interesting. It does kind of like break it down a little bit more. So it kind of goes into the components that, that drive you and, and, and the reason that the, the, um, assigned you those, those categories. So we kind of go through them. I think it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm, I, I want to mm -hmm. see what you got. It is. So, yeah. I'm interested to see. Um, the first one is action. So this is, um, so split into two yeah. categories of excitement and destruction so yeah. destruction is is kind of like you know chaos and and blowing things up and, and mayhem and then excitement is fast-paced intense adrenaline rushes um being surprised by like thrills and and reaction time kind of gameplay so for me i got an 86 percent on excitement yeah, but I got a three percent on destruction. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, seventy six percent excitement and thirty two percent destruction, which was That's like. Funny. And the thing is, the destruction is like they gravitate towards titles like Call of Duty and Battlefield. Like I don't ever play either of those games, but I guess it's kind of apexy in a way too. Yeah, uh, so well, to me, this, this kind of made me think of like you know that person who's like I'm gonna be like the grenade guy and like I want to like like play like um. This almost made me think of more kind of like GTA, like I'm going to like go to and like I'm just cause and I'm like going to destroy mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. And like to me, like that doesn't appeal to me at all. So getting such a low score, like felt really <laughs> good. And the excitement, obviously, like that is yeah. that is what interests yeah. me. So, yeah, it's interesting. Funny. Like the destruction is is <laughs> listed like 32 percent. But I don't know. It seems high for me. The excitement also like some of the references they show in here are funny, like for excitement, 76 yeah. percent. Like, well, this style of gameplay can be found in first person shooters like Halo. It can also be found in games like Street Fighter. But how do you quantify excitement like to yeah. me you can have excitement in like danganronpa which is a yeah exactly i i found novel. like some of their examples weren't necessarily like the best or at least their examples like it's a lot more broad than like the two or three examples they give you so i think mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that was the kind of like the least interesting part of it but just actually reading the descriptions does um seem yeah, pretty yeah. good and i think like yeah. also too like to quantify this kind of a thing is so hard. I think they've done a good job of just at least narrowing it down and giving you kind of like general idea yeah, of, yeah, of different avenues. Like it's impossible to say certainly, but um, anyway, uh, we'll go on to the next one. The next one is social component and it's split into competition, which is, um, you know, getting a high score, competing and team or PVP or, or team versus team um getting like a or like getting a high rank on a solo player game mm -hmm. uh and then there's community is the other one which is socializing collaborating with people either playing um 
something co-op or even just like participating on a form or talking to people about a game or like party games um, are in there as well i think yeah party games are in there as well so i got a 39 on percent on competition which i, I think is good because i like competing like we play a lot of hots is the game i, yeah, I thought yeah. of which is a 5v5 and so i like that but i'm also not like super driven to like if i care if i win or not so i think 39 is, is maybe good and then i got a 77 on community which um i think honestly could have been a little bit higher for me because i i really like i mean obviously we're doing the podcast i love discussing games with people and i like collaborating on co-op stuff but maybe i just don't play enough of those games yeah. so what, yeah, what was your overall funny. social component percentage it was 59% overall social. Okay. Mine was, so I was 39% social and mm -hmm. mine was competition 19% and community 68%. Okay. So similar ratio to you. Well, actually not really. You were higher in competition than me. To be honest, like my competition, that's higher than I thought because the only game I would really say that I play with any regularly that is like quote unquote competitive is uh, Apex. And the rest would be mm -hmm. like more the community-based multiplayer. Like we were here, we were just talking about or Remnant, we were just playing as like three-player PVE. So um, I don't really know what else I play that's like competition. I mean, I jump into Fortnite here and there, I guess, but but uh, yeah. interesting. I think maybe maybe it also kind of like encapsulates like if you want to get like high score on something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, those like single-player avenues, but. True, true. Yeah. So this this next one is by far my highest percentage. <laughs> I'm interested to see our uh, our differences um, here. <laughs> yeah, this is the mastery component, which of mine is a total of 89. percent Oh my god! Because <laughs> of this, yeah, I I scored very high. Um, so the first component of this is challenge. So you enjoy playing games that rely heavily on skill and ability. Um, practice and hone your gameplay. Uh, difficult missions or bosses. Uh, you don't mind dying and having to to replay things because you know you'll master mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. You want a game that constantly challenges you. So I got 90% on that. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then the other component, which also really appeals to me, is a strategy. So this is careful decision-making, planning, weighing your outcomes, um, balancing resources, completing goals, um, tactical combat. So I got 77 on that as well. And I think that fits me to a T because the two favorite things I like are the fast paced action from soft kind of things, but also I love yeah. good, like a good strategy game. This so. really was like your section encapsulated, mm -hmm, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And just to clarify this before we get any further, because I just don't want to confuse anyone, uh, including myself, would be that the mastery <laughs> components together are like so mine, I'm 18% the mastery components overall. So 18% of my, I guess what draws me towards games in general would be mastery. And then within like challenge and strategy, the percentages for those two would be how much more interested you are in this compared to the average person answering this quiz. Um, I think is what well, it is, right? I think it's like, what percent, no, I think like, it's what like just how, like out of a hundred, like percent, how much do you like care about these things? So I don't think it's necessarily like in comparison, it's just like your own personal, like, scale of this so like yeah. and then but, that mastery component overall just takes the average so like between sure 77 because, and 90 because because they don't add yeah. to 100 percent though like, they don't add to 100 percent. but if you add up all the components it also doesn't add to 100 because i've got 89 here and then the next one yeah, i've got 48 right. so like i don't know exactly i mean they're at quantic foundry they're they're doing the math we're <laughs> okay. not <laughs> thank you quantic foundry anyway yeah, i don't so, know how it works anyway my master the numbers are fun <laughs> um 18 percent overall the numbers are fun. I agree. I like this stuff. Uh, my challenge is 3%. <laughs> oh, 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought I thought that was a little bit low. Come on, I beat Bloodborne. Okay. Like, yeah. Come on, it's a little bit low. I was I was anticipating it to be like maybe twenty five percent because it's not that I don't want to challenge. It's just it's not what draws me towards games, you mm-hmm. know. And then the strategy was sixty five percent for me. So I, I'm big on the strategy stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not quite as big as you like, I guess, judging by that. But I mean, I really enjoy Fire Emblem and and you know tactics games and all those kind of things like tro- Project Triangle strategy. Hell yeah, I can't wait. Um, and yeah, I, I also think like strategy true. comes into it's like, like multifaceted, right? Because a lot of RPGs they're not like strategy games, but they need you need to use strategy to get through the combat scenarios a lot of the time too. So uh, interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then, yeah, like you said, there's tons of avenues. Um, the next one is the achievement component. Um, so this one is kind of interesting as well. It's split up into completion, which to me is seventy percent. Mm. which I thought was kind of high. But then I, when I was reading it and thinking about it a little bit more, it's it's very true. It's it's the desire to finish everything. So when I think of like finding all the collectibles, I was like, that's not me. But completing every mission, discovering every hidden location, talking mm-hmm. to everyone, that boosts it so much for me because I, I hate feeling like I'm missing out on something. Yeah. So that's yeah. big. And then the other one, which is a bit lower for me and brings it down is the power which I only got 21%. It's kind of like striving to become powerful and like growing your character and, you know, finding like cosmetic items and and strategic optimizing. So like that to me was like, eh, I don't really like, and I think that's why partially why maybe I got a low destruction score earlier too, is like, I don't get into the power fantasy very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, neither do I, neither do I. What was your overall achievement component? Uh, 48 Okay, yeah. I'm, so I'm at 13% for achievement components, um, which is, guess, like, yeah, collectibles and all that. So my completion is only 14%. And I was, hmm. I, I saw that and I was like, man, that's really low. Like, I, I would have thought that I would be higher Yeah, I thought that, you would be a bit higher. Because you, you platinumed a few things and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But, but thinking about it, like, getting platinums and whatnot and, and collecting things is very much an abnormality for me compared to, like, the <laughs> time I actually do it. And even playing games, like, I... I like to be thorough, but I'm not like, I'm not the kind of person that doesn't move to the next section until I complete all the side quests and something. Right. And I'm not the kind true. of person that like, as much as I like to pick up like lore collectibles, I don't go into my menu and read all the flavor text on in nearly right. any game because it's just so like, I'm the kind of person that likes to um, experience a, as many games as I can. So, so instead of like right. diving really deep into one thing, I like to finish it. And unless it's like in the top percentile of things that really interest me, I'll just move along to the next thing to get the right. next experience. Oh, I am, I am you know? so incredibly jealous of that. I have so much anxiety in a game of like missing things that yeah. I have to do everything. And then it's awful. <laughs> and I then I end up like not that. finishing something. I used to be like that, but then I just, there's so many times when it's like, Oh, you know, I'm really enjoying this game and I really want to go forward, but there's still three more side quests that I don't yeah. really have any interest. So it kind of just puts you off. And and I, yeah. I, I reached a point where I was just like, you know, fuck it. Like, I'm either going to try and collect everything in this game and burn myself out and not finish it. Or I can just kind of give up on these collectibles, enjoy yes. the game for what it is and actually get through and, it. And and, and that's yeah. 100% a better philosophy to have. And I'm I'm moving towards that direction. I'm, I'm trying to be better, but <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it is. It, is. it is t- took me a long time to get there. That's for sure. But um, yeah. And then in power, I'm actually the same as you, 21%, which oh, is, interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't think I've ever like 
grinded a character to max stats in an RPG Mm-mm. or anything. So I'm even surprised maybe 21% is a bit high in, in terms of that for me. But at the same time, like <laughs> it's not like I don't want to be powerful and have all these cool weapons yeah. and all this stuff. Well, that's- so. That's maybe interesting. That's if we ever got into a fight, we would be equally powerful. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. We like, could I not know, defeat one another. Yeah. <laughs> I know a uh, good friend of the show, Jazz. He um he is a total power person when it comes to RPGs. Like he he's the kind of person that would sit down and he's he's played like Disgaea, which is another one of those kind mm-hmm. of tactics, uh, fi- Fire Emblem s games. And he he like goes through and grinds his characters to max level just just for the sake of it, and like really gets the enjoyment out of that kind of thing. So yeah. I can I can see like. Uh, you know someone being like that and totally getting the the power mm-hmm. fantasy so so yeah absolutely um i think we're on to our second last yeah the second last component is the creativity component uh which is also pretty high for me 79 i got in uh, the first category is discovery which is 83 percent uh for me so this goes back to even just that last category to to kind of look at it from a different angle they're constantly asking what if game worlds are fascinating for them to to experience and tinker with um you'll check every edge of the map um <laughs> try to experiment with with how approaching something might work in different ways so i think that's that's true of me and then design i got 66 so they want to express their individuality in a game they put a lot of time and effort into character creation and customizing um how their character looks and plays um so i I think that's kind of fair like i I like i'm not a huge what's funny is i often end up liking games where you you play as a certain character instead of making a character Mm -hmm. because i i like i get a little bit more story out of that it's like a Um, bespoke story of that character versus like hey you're a random person that's been dropped exactly like I think I like a little bit more of like, what would, what would John do versus like, what would I do? Because I, I'm interested in John and and seeing like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of role-playing him well, versus role-playing like my own character. Well, but I, I, totally I think agree. I, I still do when it's time to come to that cus- character customizer screen, I still spend an hour in it every time. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess this yeah. is at least pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. So, so mine for creativity, I'm overall 21% and both discovery mm-hmm. and design are 25% for me which is oh, interesting. Uh, so I, yeah Super I'm even yeah I'm pretty I think I think those are pretty accurate to be honest like it's funny because I was just talking about how I don't really go for collectibles and trying to read all the all the little lore sections and everything that's like collected but I still do the thing where I try to uncover all the map <laughs> you know like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll still when I'm playing the last of us or something I'm still going into the corners to try and look for the collectibles and everything yep, the absolutely. difference is just that I don't freak out if I <laughs> missed if i happen to miss one or and when i do collect them i very rarely open the menu and go read what it says but, right. but i definitely try to still collect them when i can mm-hmm. and then the design one i guess is uh, it seems about right for me obviously like character creators and all that like i i do try and make them but i don't i don't go and like you know look up guides how to make you know whichever celebrity and all that and and the character creator like spend too too much time but but i, I, I guess it makes sense Okay, uh, and then the final category is, and this one is the the only one I thought was maybe a bit not super accurate for me, just in the sense that I, I thought it was a little low. Mm. It's the immersion component, which for me was only 54%, and I thought I'd be higher. Um, so it's broken into, into fantasy, which is 49, and I see where I'm kind of split on this because it says um, there's part of it is being in a believable uh, world that you're exploring, which I thought for me would be extremely high, but there's mm-hmm. also a component of it allowing them to believe to become someone else. And there was that. I think a lot of questions too kind of emphasize the idea of like escapism. Yeah. And I think that's where I got that lower. It's like I don't really 
see myself as these characters or use it as escapism, but I do want to be immersed in the world. So I think that kind of like subtle difference between the two brought it down a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is story, which I got 58%, which I'm still surprised is low. Um, this is, you know, elaborate campaign with, with multi-dimensional characters, with backstories and lore. And, you know, you want to read everything and, and find all the dialogue and descriptions. Uh, and I was surprised about 58 because I'm the kind of person, like when I played Mass Effect for the first time, the only reason I played it was because I loved the codex so much and reading everything. Like <laughs> I didn't care about the gameplay at all, but I oh wanted to God. read everything and like talk to all my followers. And like, I will, I will hundred percent of the time never skip over lore details. Like I, I love story and world and, and immersion. So I was surprised this was a little bit lower. I, I think what brought it down for me is the way I interpreted some of the questions about yeah. being like escapism, which to me, it's not, it's experiencing. And I, I think that's a little bit different. So I think, you know, with, with any of these quizzes, it really depends on kind of how you interpret the questions. And then also like how maybe like reserved you are in answering. So like some people like on a scale, of, like how, how much do you care about this? Like, you know, somewhat care, really care, like mm -hmm. care yeah, so much, subjective. like, you know, like it's subjective and like some people are just more likely to, to be a little bit more exaggerate in their answers or some people are more reserved, even if it's like their favorite thing, they'll put like, oh, pretty care because like you just don't really like ever go to the final option. So mm -hmm. I think it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to, to always like perfectly answer, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like, one. Well, I, I I agree completely. Let me just go over my answers quick first, and then mm -hmm. we'll get into it. So mine is immersion's fifty five percent overall, um, with sixty four percent on fantasy, and forty five percent on story. Which I thought, looking at the what the descriptions of these things are, I think it should be reversed for me because I'm more. It's the I would say the main reason that I play games, if I had to pick one for myself, would be the story because to me, like that's the the version of escapism that I like, like seeing what the story is that happens to Joel in The Last of Us, you know, not mm -hmm. like playing my own story like we were just saying, but yet I scored higher in that kind of um, <clears throat> like placing yourself in the world. So I don't know mm -hmm. if I really fully, fully agree with that, but um, I mean, Mass Effect is actually re re referenced as an example of both of these. So I yeah. guess <laughs> aspects of both. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, like this whole quiz in general, first of all, I feel like I got overall, like a lot of my percentages are lower than yours. So I'm really interested about like, how did my answers not really put me super high and very much, very much in general. Uh, maybe, you know? And maybe I think maybe you're, you're a reserved quiz taker. Maybe Possibly. you don't go to the like furthest end of all the answers very often. Yeah, it could be because I, I got high scores, I guess I, my, my excitement is 76%. And I guess that does make sense. Um, mm -hmm. Well, in like the community and whatnot. But I definitely think that if I were to, um, if someone was to give me these statistics and like these different motivational factors and get me to rank them or something, I think that my rankings would probably come out quite a bit different than what this quiz has given me but like you said it's about like the, the questioning and maybe i was more reserved in answers or mm -hmm. or what and they also ask you like throughout the quiz to give an example of a game that you recently enjoyed that has certain aspects i can't remember exactly what it was but i was i don't know if those those games we put down kind of influence our answers at all or I, I think they do and then i think it also gives them data for like okay you're really like creative person and you like this game so like maybe like that's something a creative person might gravitate towards i think like it's partially for your answers and partially like for them to like take more data in from yeah, people yeah. doing the quiz but anyway I, I just thought it was like an interesting thing and like I, I, cool. I encourage you to like share it around your group like it was really interesting like my go-to group outside of, of our podcast um there's 
there's a few of us that play and we all, we kind of have like similar, similar game styles and we all got relatively similar um, profiles, but one of our, the guys in our group, he is the kind of person that plays like one or two games, but gets really into them. Mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. he, he like raids on a schedule for wow and like plays a couple other, like uh, he plays like hots with us and a couple other games. And then he's got a couple strategy games he plays and he's like, but he gets really into them, but like such a small breadth yeah, of, yeah. of choices, but like to really intense. And his profile was so different than the rest of ours. It was really interesting just to see like how drastic it changed, but it's so true. He's got such a different, like, you know, library mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. like style of gaming. So I thought like at least like kind of tailored it pretty well, but and I just thought it was fun. It is, and, it is very cool. Um, as a as a kind of like little wrap up to ours, my motivation profile is fast paced, proficient, completion, and creative, which sounds very very nice. I'll take it. <laughs> Wait, where did you, where did you see this? Um, it's at the top, like under where it gives you your types. It's like just okay, a couple, okay. couple oh. little like keywords. Keywords. It's above like the chart before it goes over. Oh, the above the chart. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So above the chart okay, I'm gonna, oh mine is fast paced analytical relaxed gregarious and practical oh interesting, <laughs> interesting. wow such nice qualities that it we is. possess oh, I, I love it. <laughs> um well if you take the quiz and you'd like to share your answers with us and maybe chat about that uh you can send us an email to circles and squares pod at gmail.com uh or you can also check us out on twitter at cns pod of course all these links are in the description and the show notes wherever you're watching and listening so uh give us a look on there um of course before we leave the show forever though for oh not forever, forever. Until next episode. goodbye you'll never <laughs> hear us again <laughs> uh, yeah until until forever uh we actually have to answer our listener mail question before we get out of here kate so uh the mm-hmm. question today from matthias is if you're sucked into a video game forever what game would you like to be sucked into and why this is kind of something that comes up every now and again, and it's such an interesting thing to think about. And the problem I have when I try to answer this is that all of my favorite games would be awful to live in because <laughs> I, agree completely. I am scared of monsters and I'm not a fighter and I would just die if I got put into any of yeah, these any worlds. Of these so you don't at, want to go anywhere best, medieval? Yes, exactly. Be like a, at know, best, I'd... Yeah, at best I'd be stuck in a hub town where like I maybe like was a merchant and just spent all day selling shit to adventurers yeah, or I sell potions and necklaces. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not very exciting. And I never leave my town because if you step three feet out of it, um, a pack of wolves attacks you. So not into that. Um, so what I always come back to, and I always feel like it's such like a generic answer, but genuinely it would just be so nice to live in one of the Pokemon games. <laughs> Right? It's like there's there's wild ant, there, there's creatures and there's always danger, but they never attack you. They fight your Pokemon. Like the trainers are never in, in danger. And like, you know, there's such beautiful environments. There's like such wonderful nature, but also like cities and, and everyone in, is so pleasant and they just want to talk about Pokemon with you. And it, it's just so wholesome. And having Pokemon is like the ultimate fantasy. Like they're just pets, but cooler. Uh, and I'm, you go on I'm an totally adventure. You. Like mm-hmm. it just, mm-hmm. you can't hate it. <laughs> It's true. I, I was thinking Pokemon, of course, like that's such a good answer for something like this, mm-hmm. right? I was thinking that I thought Stardew Valley would be cool, you know, just live your nice, simple life on the See, farm. I, I thought about games like that too, like that farm and then like Animal Crossing and stuff, but it's like, that's a lot of manual labor and like, it is. I'm, I'm kind of a little lazy. I also thought like, <laughs> I want my Animal Pokemon Crossing, to do it for me. <laughs> with Animal Crossing too, it's almost like, living in that world would almost become like, 
frustratingly like well like why is no one ever upset here why is everything just so happy-go-lucky you know like you yeah. almost become too happy that it's irritating to you <laughs> right and like everyone else is like oh I, i've seen i see chip never never put in any money for this bridge we're we're making it always seems to be me funding all of these things yeah right <laughs> everyone else is useless <laughs> it's true so i i, I kind of tried to go a different way and just think of uh you know where would i want to retire in a game because okay. you know living in these worlds there's you know i want to just kind of think of some kind of different answers so i settled actually with um a game final fantasy 15 that i played a couple of years ago um mm -hmm. in the world of eos it's it's a cool world um you know it's kind of one of those old school kind of fantasy worlds meets a modern society because it has they still have cars and like you know modern houses and stuff like that so it would be more comfortable to live there but also there's this place which i really really loved when i was there it's called golden quay and it's basically this beautiful tropical beach with some of the best water i've ever seen in a video game and it's just this resort you can stay at there's like a campsite and some uh nice restaurants and like a high quality hotel and just this lovely lovely place everyone seems to be having a nice drink and having a dinner and stuff so i'd just like to go retire at golden quay in uh, final fantasy 15 and, and hang out there <laughs> super That's nice beautiful i, super, I like the idea nice. of like where would i retire to like yeah. that that kind of frames it differently in like you know the smaller scale more relaxing things like yeah i maybe wouldn't want to live my life in this like small isolated place but like yeah to retire to yeah. absolutely so maybe i'll go live in in the kanto region of pokemon you know hang out there for the next 30 years yeah. or so and then just retire well, early the at other, and the other thing away. i like about it too thinking about pokemon is i, I like kind of the like almost like thinking of it more like the detective pikachu movie where like they're mm -hmm. integrated mm -hmm. into like the everyday world so like the the machamps are like they're they're movers and like you know like <laughs> you like someone is like has a cafe and like they're kind of like integrated yeah. into like just different like roles as well as like just being like pokemon fights so like you could just live in like a city and just have like a pokemon companion and he like you know he's a detective like a, and he's a pikachu he's a, detec he's a detective but he's a pikachu like whoa imagine like going to work today and like you're the guy sitting at the next desk over is like a chancy yeah. <laughs> like, a chancy like morning uh well yeah like right. i said before if you want to get in touch send us where you'd also like to live in your in your game world so you know let us know but uh thank you for joining us as always on the show and we'll see you again on two weeks time on episode 27 the intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show, Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Grattan of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.